Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. We're excited about Winterfest. If you have students in your house, they need to get registered ASAP. You can use the QR code uh, there. I think it's on the the announcement slides as well. It was always life-changing for me when I went. Kids are saved, called into ministry, filled with the Holy Spirit. All kinds of cool things happen. So make sure they get signed up. Uh, it's going to be a great time uh, down in Pigeon Forge in, I think it's March, uh, but we need to know if you're going now. So make plans to go. Uh, good morning to you guys once again. We've been in a series just kind of framing it uh, Christmas at Bethesda. And so far in the series, we've talked about um, rest. Anybody remember the message on rest? Did you guys enjoy the message on rest? Amen. Some of y'all are like, no, there's no time to rest. You know, Christmas is coming. We, ain't, we don't got time for that. Uh, and I understand that, but we talked about rest. And then last week, we talked about having a fresh encounter with Jesus in this season. Uh, but according to songs and commercials that play each and every day from now through the end of the year, uh, this is supposed to be the most magical, the most wonderful time of the year. A time when we enjoy being around the people we love, uh, reflecting on all that God has done for us this year, a time when our souls are refreshed. Unfortunately, I've been down this road uh, now. This is my 45th, I guess. I'm about to turn 46, 45th Christmas uh, season. And um, that's usually not the description I would, I would use to describe this season as magical and wonderful. Uh, for a lot of people, it becomes very hectic. It becomes very chaotic, uh, trying to get everything done. We, we go through this season, and for a lot of us, uh, I know in the church world, it, our workload uh, increases during this time. Uh, there's extra obligations. There's less sleep, more conflict, financial stress, uh, pressure to keep up. Uh, just yesterday, we were in uh, the mall down at Beckley to get a picture. Uh, Everly was going to get a picture, and um, I, I did not see magical. I did not see wonderful. Uh, I, I saw quite the opposite. I, I saw uh, husbands and wives arguing. I saw babies tired of waiting in the line crying. Uh, I, I could see the frustration on the faces of moms and dads and, and of the kids because this, this line to get a picture with Santa was taking way too long. Uh, and, and so there wasn't a lot of magical moments yesterday when I, when I saw people and just observed people. I, I even watched this one couple come out of Claire's, you, you know, the Claire's where you go and buy uh, the cheap jewelry, right? It's only cheap if you keep them down to like you get one thing, right? If you let them pick like seven things, then it gets expensive. But I saw this couple coming out of Claire's, and I could see the mom and dad. They were in a, they were in a heated argument about what they had spent in this store. And you can just feel the frustration. On, uh, that, that's coming out of people, the anger uh, that people are feeling in this season. And so we've been trying to preach and teach uh, messages from the Word of God to help you navigate this season, not in a cultural way, because the cultural way is, is a lot of uh, frustration, but in a spiritual way. Uh, 
And so we're looking at some things from the Word of God uh, that will help us reject this modern interpretation of how we are supposed to celebrate and so that we can do it God's way. And the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter number 6, verse number 16, it says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. And I think that describes many of us. We, we come to services this time of year and we hear messages about the peace of God and about, you know, not being stressed out, not being filled with anxiety, to rest and to have an encounter with Jesus. But it's kind of like the parable of the sower and the seed. We know that about 25% of that seed produced fruit. And every Sunday, I know that I'm sowing seed, but only about 25% of you are actually going to take that message, put it to practice, and see fruit from that immediately. That a lot of times, we're no different than the children of Israel. We, we got the seed, but we actually make a commitment to say we're not going to walk in the past that God has for us. To find the ancient ways, the writer refers to going back. And going further back than your grandparents did, further back than how pilgrims did things, and even further back than how the disciples did things, if we want to know how to truly celebrate in a way that nurtures our soul, we've got to go all the way back to the originator of celebration, the real OG, God himself. How many know God knows how to throw a party? God knows how to celebrate. Uh, and he gives us tips and he gives us principles on how to slow down and how to celebrate without it being stressful, without it uh, consuming us in a negative way. Each week I, I've mentioned to you that holidays, that, that literally means holy days. But for a lot of people, these days are not holy, they become very hollow. They become very empty. And so I've been trying to help us navigate this season so that we don't come out on the other side hollow and empty, but we come out on the other side refreshed. We come out on the other side better than we went into it. And so when we look at this season and what it means, um, a lot of people, they, they do the Christmas activities, but they don't engage Christ. They put up lights, but they remain in a spiritually dark place. They attend religious events, but never deepen their relationship with Christ. And the question becomes, how can that happen? How can we be around the things of Christ, have a holiday name for Christ, and decorate that with things that point to Christ and then miss Christ? Yet it happens for a lot of people every single year. All the way back in the Old Testament, the people of Israel were forming as a nation. And Moses, their leader, he met with God to get these instructions on how to organize the community and even on how to celebrate throughout the year. There were seven feasts that God gave the nation that they were to pause seven different times and celebrate. And, and we got to ask, why would God do that? And I think the answer is very clear as you look through the seven feasts. They had some common themes about them. And I think one of the things that God wanted to happen is, is that at these feasts, he wanted his people to take a break. Come on, hit your neighbor and tell him, you, you need a break. Come on, that's the wrong neighbor. Tell somebody else, you need a break. He, he wanted us to stop and to take a break. 
And it was so important for the nation of Israel because they had just spent 400 years working as slaves for seven days a week, 52 weeks out of the year, 400 plus years. They had known nothing but work. That's all that they had known. And their identity was completely tied to Egypt. And Egypt was seen as their provider. And so God was bringing them out of slavery, bringing them out of working seven days a week so that they could slow down and realize that God is now their provider. God wanted them to know that you can rest and know that I will provide for you. I will take care, take care of you. But they were so tied to the things of Egypt that even when they hit rough spots, moving toward the promise, they would say things like, shouldn't we just go back? You know, didn't we have it better in Egypt? You know, because they saw Egypt as their provider, and God was showing them that I am your provider, and with me as your provider, you can take a break, and I will still provide for you. God also wanted them to know that they needed fun. They needed fun. God created pleasure. He created laughter and enjoyment as additives to our soul. And that's why the scripture says that laughter is good like a medicine. Sometimes when my kids pout at home, I say, take your medicine, and they know what it means. I'm not, talk I'm not talking about a pill. I'm telling stop pouting and start laughing because laughter is good for your soul. Like so many of us, we don't laugh enough. We don't smile enough. We don't enjoy life. But you need to know that God wants you to have a good time. Everything is not serious. Everything has not got to be, you know, uh, breakneck speed, and I got to get this list done and that, that list done, that God wants us to enjoy our lives. Some of us, we're not happy during this time of year simply because we are missing Christ in the season. So God wanted us to take a break. He wanted us to have fun, but he also knew we needed time to reflect, that's what the seven feasts God gave the nation was all about, for them to take a break, for them um, to, to also uh, have fun, and for finally for them to reflect. And it's human nature for you and I to forget all the good things that God has done. But God wanted them to slow down and reflect of his goodness. But in this hustle and bustle culture in which we live, this season, a lot of times we don't slow down, especially in the month of December, to reflect on the goodness of God. But let me just ask, can anybody celebrate today because 2023, you know God has been faithful and God has been good to you? It's a good time to reflect and think back of all the good things God has done for you. And so today I'm going to talk about something a little bit different. as uh, a long intro, wasn't it? Um, but I want to talk to you about sacrifice. I want to talk to you about sacrifice and how it applies and how it applied to the feast that God had for his people and how it applies to our lives now. To show you this principle, I want to focus on the very first festival in the Hebrew calendar called Passover. We find the first Passover was in the second book of the Bible. That book is the book of Exodus. The children of Israel were about to be freed from slavery in Egypt and during the last of the ten plagues, the children of Israel were finally set free. And if we were to recap this, we know that a plague was coming to Egypt and was going to kill the firstborn son and animal of everyone in Egypt. But to protect the Israelites from the plague, we know that God tells them to get a lamb, kill the lamb, take the blood of the lamb, and sprinkle it on the doorpost of their homes. 
And this blood would allow the death angel to pass by their family, and their family would be protected. If you were to look at the specifics here in Exodus chapter 12, verse 5 and 6, it says, The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no defects. Take special care of this chosen animal. So to celebrate the very first holiday in their calendar, God asked them to sacrifice something significant. Something precious had to be given. And this is my first point. In order to move from hollow days to holidays or holy days, we have to learn to give and not just focus on getting. And my first point is this, give what's valuable, not what's convenient. We have to learn to give what's valuable, not what's convenient. It had to be a one-year-old male lamb without spot and without blemish. In other words, this was an expensive offering, that this was costly. This animal had to be personally raised and cared for. It had to be the best that they had. They, they, their, their best was born, their best was cared for, it was raised all for the sole purpose of being given away as a sacrifice to God. And I want you to know that they did not give their worst and they did not give their leftovers, they gave their very best. So many of us, we, this is not uh, the kind of gift or the kind of offering that we sometimes do where our closets are too full and we're like, it's time for a goodwill run. And we think we're just super, super generous because we take what we don't want and drop it off. And we think that's generous. You didn't want it to begin with. How is that generous? Uh, So God is saying, I want you to give what's valuable, not what's convenient. And so they would have this animal would be born and they would care for it and they would raise it all, all knowing all along the way we're going to sacrifice this animal. We're going to give it as an offering to God. Many times we don't mind giving our leftovers and our hand-me-downs. But I need to ask, what about giving our best? I think one of the reasons we struggle to sacrifice and give our best is because our identity is oftentimes connected to our possessions that we connect identity with what we have. And we usually reserve the best for ourselves. And let's be honest, it makes sense to reserve the best for yourself. It makes sense to do what's best for you. It may make sense, but it's also a trap. It's a trap. If I put my wants, my desires, and my pleasures As top priority in my life, I am now living a selfish life, not a significant life. And many of us live dissatisfied lives, and we buy new things, and it's nothing more than a coping mechanism for how empty we feel. We have to buy the newest car to show off because inwardly we are unhappy. We parade our lifestyle and our possessions in the faces of our friends on the internet, random people, all because inwardly we're struggling. We enjoy the vacation, but more than the vacation, we actually enjoy more posting the pictures of our vacation for everybody to see how we're successful. And a lot of times we we have what I call an insecure flex, showing off our successful life, all as a mask And a lot of times, if we're honest, the holidays, they amplify 
this dysfunction. I want you to know this morning that significance in this life is not found in the accumulation of possessions or in the opinions of other people. Because when you die and when I die, they are not going to talk about at your funeral what you owned. I promise you, no one's going to talk about your bank account, your house, how successful you were. What people talk about at a funeral is what kind of difference did you make? What kind of impact did you make on the people around you? Did you make a difference? Did you have good relationships? Those are the things that people talk about when you die. And the more mature I, I, I become, the older I get, uh, the more I find joy not in receiving gifts, but I actually find joy in giving gifts. How many have learned that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? Now, now, now let, let me throw out a disclaimer. It's not that I don't like gifts. I, I do. I enjoy it. As a matter of fact, my staff all chipped in and bought me these shoes this week. Those are fire. That's all I got to say about it. They are fire. So I, I, I smiled ear to ear and thanked them. It was, it was Christmas on uh, Wednesday morning for me when they handed me these box of shoes. If you want to know my love language, it's called Jordans. That's the love language. Um, some people is touch, some people it's words of affirmation, mine's Jordans. All right. Uh, I, I like receiving gifts, I do. I, I, I enjoy that, but I actually find it even better to give gifts. I, I, I enjoy giving gifts to people. John Maxwell said concerning leadership, and he was using these phrases in a positive way. He was talking about big people and small people. And he, he was talking about big people, when they enter a room, they make everybody in the room feel big because they add value to them. And then small people, in, in kind of a negative way, when small people walk into a room, they make everybody feel small. And so as a leader, and all of you, you are leading, you're leading in your home, you're leading at work, you're leading with a peer, your peers at school, that when we walk into a room, we want to be able to add value to people. Not make them feel small, but to make them feel bigger. Acts 20, 35, I just quoted it. It says, you should remember the Lord to the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And I'm not talking about simply giving good gifts in the holiday season. I'm talking about giving what's most precious. The most precious commodities you have is your time, your attention, and your words. The reason those are the most precious is because once given, you can't get them back. Once given, that time was spent. That attention is gone. Those words cannot be retracted. Even if you take the time to buy your kids the best Christmas gift they've ever received, you buy them the new PlayStation and the new game. You bought them the best Christmas present you could think of. But if you ignore them the whole time they're on Christmas break, you have not given them what's most important. See, it's not a sacrifice unless something of value is given. The second thing I noticed about the Passover is that something costly had to die. The lamb had to be killed, and its blood was placed on the doorpost of every house. And they killed the lamb, but the main thing that has to die in, in our lives, it's not a lamb, but our will must die. That's my second point. Learning to lay down your will. You have to learn to lay your will down. 
I'm sure that the nation of Israel, when it came time to give the best lamb, that they didn't always want to give their best. Their best could have been used to breed and to create a whole line of great animals. But I'm reminded this morning that following Jesus, and let me just put this out there because I don't don't ever, as I said last week, want to over-promise and under-deliver. Following Jesus fully is not easy. If you fully lay your life down to follow Jesus, that's going to take intentionality on your part. It's not easy, but how many of you know that following Jesus and laying your will down is always worth it? It's always worth it. To follow Jesus means that he's first. It means that his will is what matters, that he's the leader and we're the followers. This is how we enter the Christian faith. We lay down our lives. We surrender our lives to the lordship of Jesus. We put our will, our beliefs, and our sin on the altar. It's why the Gospel of Luke chapter 9 says, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Some of us are struggling and we can't seem to find meaning and purpose. And the reason is is because instead of laying our life down, we're constantly trying to pick our lives back up. And as long as we're picking our lives up, we will never find purpose and meaning. It's only when we lay our will down, our lives down, that we find true meaning and purpose in this life. See, you will leave this season hollow and even frustrated if you only focus on what you want. If you send your family your gift list, but you don't make a sacrifice list, you are missing what the season is all about. We think about what we need and what's best for us, and we often struggle to think about what's best for someone else. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. I want you to catch that. This verse says that you're not the most important person in your life. Some of us could go home right now. That's all we needed to hear today. Because our world revolves around what we want, when we want it, and how we want it. But the scripture is very clear that as a Christ follower, we lay down our lives. We lay down our will. And he's not telling us this to make us feel bad or that value has been taken from us. He's, he's saying this because as followers of Christ, we are supposed to spend our days adding value to people around us. Adding value to your family. Adding value to your kids. Adding value to the waitress that, that will take care of you today. And so many times when you talk about adding value to people, whether it be a spouse or a child or a coworker or a boss or an employee or, or, or the waitress on a Sunday afternoon adding value, many times we, we say things like, I, I, don't, I don't want to because they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. That, that's kind of the uh, rebuttal that people have. They don't deserve for me to add value to them. And it, it does make sense to give people what they deserve but it makes you like Christ to give them what they don't deserve. (laughs) 
The Bible teaches us this sacrifice they, they gave, it had to be completely consumed. In Exodus 12 and 10, it says, burn whatever is not eaten before morning. So you're supposed to eat the entire lamb, but if you didn't, you were supposed to give it. If you didn't eat it all, you were supposed to give it to your neighbors. And if your neighbors didn't eat it, it was to be burned. So it was either eaten by you or your neighbors, or it was consumed or given as a sacrifice to God. They had to eat the lamb, so it became a part of them. Leads me to point number three. Make sacrifice a lifestyle, not a season. The goal was not seasonal sacrifice. Sacrifice should be a lifestyle. The goal isn't once a year we're going to pray about a sacrificial offering to give at Christmas. The goal should be we live a life of sacrifice. Now, to help me illustrate, I want to teach you guys something real quick, but I'm going to need a little help on the stage. Uh, so I need some hands. I'm going to pick somebody to come join me. Who's going to join me on the platform? Right here. I see that hand way back there. Come on, give it up for my volunteer. There was one volunteer in this room. You go help me out with this illustration. And as, as, as he's making his way up, he doesn't know what I'm about to ask him. He's going to get nervous. Thank you for helping me. I need 100 bucks. You ain't got none? I, I've got Cash App, Venmo. You don't have it? All right, good deal, though, good deal, because I do have it. I got a crisp $100 bill right here. Some of y'all wishing you had came up, right? All right, I do have 100 bucks. okay? I was just kidding. I have the 100 um, I'm going to give this to you, but it's going to come with a catch to it. How many of you understand that everything we have comes from God? We're talking about adding value to people. We're talking about... You know, walking into a room and adding value to another person. And a lot of times when God speaks to us about adding value, we don't view what we have as a gift that came from God. A lot of times we view it as ours. And so because we view it as ours, we have a hard time doing what God tells us to do. So I'm going to give you 100 bucks, but here's what I want you to do, and I want you to help me with this. I want you to pray over the next 24 hours on who you could give this to this Christmas season. You think you can do that for me? You can? Are you sure? All right. I'm going to give that to you. I want you to stay right here. Here's, here's the part I want to explain to everybody in the room today. Everything we have, God gave to us. It's his breath in our lungs. Our beating heart is pumping by his sovereign hand. It's his money in our bank account, it's all his, and he gave it to us. And so when God asks us to give part of what we have back to him, if we view it as his anyway, see, it was, if I'd just said, I need you to write a check for $100 for someone in need, it might have been hard for him. But since I gave him the $100, are y'all getting what I'm throwing down right now? Since God gave it to you, then we are to take and do with it what God tells us to do. Can you give it up for my volunteer today? Thank you for helping me. You bless somebody with that. See, God isn't taking anything from you. Everything you have is his. He's just asking us to be involved. 
in what he's doing in the earth, whether it be adding value with words or giving something financially to someone in need. When we, what, what if we approached our bank account, our possessions, our time, and our attention that way? What if we looked at it as not ours, but it belongs to God? That it's a gift that he entrusted to us. Every breath that I have, God gave me. Every dollar I've made, God helped me to make it. Listen, if I'll approach it that way, when God says, give me something or bring me something, how many know it's a whole lot easier when we, be, when we start with, from the place God gave it to me to begin with? That when we start from there, it's a whole lot easier to add value and to be a blessing to everyone around us. Generosity is built on the foundation of a grateful heart. Show me an ungrateful person and I'll show you a stingy person. Somebody who's ungrateful is probably stingy. Nothing could be wasted when it came to this offering that the nation of Israel would give at Passover. In Exodus 12, 9 and 10, it says, The whole animal, including the head, legs, internal organs, must be roasted over a fire. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten before morning. That leads me to the final point. Your sacrifice... Your sacrifice is never insignificant. It's never insignificant. Every sacrifice made is really just a seed that has been sown waiting to be harvested. Every single sacrifice you make. When I sacrifice and give, whether it be my time, whether it be my attention, an encouraging word to add value to someone or even bless someone financially. What I give to other people around me either helps that person or changes me. And many times, how many of you understand it does both? It helps that person, but it also changes me. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a story about how at the end of the age, he will tell people, thank you for feeding him when he was hungry visiting him in prison and inviting him into their home. And they'll respond and say, when did we do that? When, when did we do that? And he will say, you did it to me when you done it to the least of these. So when you give, even if it's small, it's never in vain. When you give, you're lending what you have to Jesus Proverbs 19 and 17 says, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. The reason we sacrifice is because Jesus sacrificed and when you and I sacrifice, we look a lot like our Savior. How many want to look like our Savior? Amen, I want to look like him. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. They'll help me land this plane quicker, I hope. In John chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus speaking. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. What I find interesting about this whole Passover is how the whole ceremony was a picture of Jesus. That Jesus fulfills every bit of the Passover holiday. And it's when we see him as our sacrificial lamb that we, you and I can begin to learn how to live 
a life of sacrifice. Now, before anybody goes out of this room today and says, Chad says, I need to start observing Passover and doing what the Jews do and all that, please don't take that from me. Jesus is our Passover. He is our Passover. Okay? He is the Passover. And when we look at all the things that that took place with Passover, the Passover lamb had to be a mature male lamb. Jesus, according to Luke 3.23, was also a mature male. Leading up to Passover, they would set aside the lamb to be killed on a specific day. Jesus entered Jerusalem on the exact date when the Passover lamb would be set aside in preparation to be killed. Jesus was crucified on the same day the Passover lambs were killed and at the exact same time of day. The Passover lamb had to be examined for spots and blemishes. Jesus was thoroughly examined by Pilate, and he was found to be blameless. First Peter says that he was found spotless, and he was a sinless lamb. The lamb couldn't have any broken bones, and as bad as Jesus was beaten, not one bone in his body was broken. The Passover lamb had to be roasted and consumed in a fire, and Jesus gave himself as a ransom for the salvation of his people. The purpose of the Passover lamb was that God's judgment would pass over the people. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, when we receive Jesus, God's judgment passes over us so that you and I can be forgiven. Anybody thankful for the Passover lamb? His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Come on, stand to your feet. His name is Jesus. You see, I lay down my life and I live a life of sacrifice because Jesus did that for me. I give because Jesus gave. I surrender because Jesus surrendered. You don't have to go through this season, this holiday season, this holy day season, feeling hollow and empty. But you can learn how to live a life of sacrifice that will help you walk a walk of significance. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. Close your eyes. No one looking around for the next few minutes. I want to speak to people in the room that are not following Jesus. Listen, salvation is not just a prayer. I think sometimes we we do more harm telling people that salvation is a prayer. I know what the Bible says. It says, you know, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you will be saved. That's a starting place. But following Jesus means that we do deny ourselves, we turn from our sin, and we choose to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. We are laying down our life, and we're picking up a new life in Christ. And I believe it can be a new season for someone in this room this morning that you know down in your heart you're not following Jesus, you're not right with God. But you don't have to leave here feeling that way. You can leave here knowing that you are in right relationship with Jesus. You say, well, I've made so many mistakes, Pastor Chad. We all have. I failed a lot this year, Pastor Chad. I failed this year as well. That's why Paul, the Apostle Paul said, I die every single day. It's a decision that has to be made, that I die daily to my will to follow him. Listen, it's a significant life. It's not an easy life, but it's a significant life, and it's well worth it. If I'm speaking to you and you know I'm not, you're not in right relationship with Jesus, but you want to be in right relationship with Jesus, if that's you, just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, you're talking to me this morning. 
I want to make things right with God. Anyone at all. Anyone at all. I see this hand. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else in the room? I don't want to miss anybody. Say, I want to follow Jesus. Anyone else? I want to make him the Lord of my life. Any other hands in the room? Those watching online, you can be a part of this prayer. I want us to pray together out loud, loud enough where you can hear it with your own ears. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to save me, to forgive me. I choose to lay my life down and to follow you. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making a decision for Christ today? Amen. So good. Prayer team and altar workers and staff, if you would come forward, we're going to open up these altars for a time of prayer. The worship team's going to come out and lead us in one more song. Listen, anything that's keeping you up at night is something worth praying about. If you went to bed last night worrying about something, listen, come up for prayer today. You'd be amazed at what God would do that if you would take something instead of worrying about it or complaining about it and you actually prayed about it, what God would do and how he would get involved in the details of your life. This altar is open. We'll pray for you for any need that you have, anxiety, fear, sickness, disease, an addiction, whatever it may be. We'll pray with you and for you. We serve a big God, a big God. I feel like I need to remind some people before we sing that you serve a big God. And the enemy loves to make you think and feel like you're alone and that it's not going to get any better. But how many know he's the father of all lies? Jesus wants to get involved. He wants to show up in a big way in your life. Give him an opportunity to move in whatever need you have this morning as the worship team comes. Can you give Jesus the best praise you have all day? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.